Hey, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans. I'm glad to have you with us today. Um, I'd like to thank our sponsors. We got Western Mule Magazine, Ben and Anita Tennyson. They do a great job, put a fun magazine together, and I also write an article for them every month. So if you don't subscribe, you should. I would love to uh, hear what you have to say about my articles that I write for them. I would love some feedback. And also, if you have any suggestions, anything that you'd like me to write about, uh, anything you'd like me to talk about on there for that magazine, I would be happy to happy to oblige. So, anyways, um, today I want to talk about something that's kind of fun, um, for me at least. And this is a common question. I guarantee you, if you have mules, you have been asked this question, or if you haven't, you're going to be asked pretty soon. Um, and that is, what's the difference? Everybody wants to know, what's the difference between horses and mules? Um, that's a big general statement, a big general question, rather. Um, so I'm going to kind of break it down for you in this podcast, all right? And a lot of you that ride mules now, you probably started with horses. Um, I don't have an exact statistic number for you, but... It seems like most people that I know that come to my clinics and things that have mules started with horses. And, you know, including including Sky. You know, my wife she she started with horses. You know, um, I was definitely blessed my whole life. Uh, my dad and my mom we always had horses, mules, and even a few donks uh, here and there. So um, you know, I never had that. I never really grew up with that bias or or needing to know the difference they they were just there um, and uh, so I'm going to talk to you guys a little bit about some differences uh, some similarities um, and see if we can't uh, sort this out okay so first of all I think it is important to know how equine are different than us um, because this kind of sets the stage for the differences between horses and mules, all right? You need to understand that they think, equine in general, think different than we do. They see things different than we do. I have a quote here from you, or, or for you, excuse me, from Martin Black. Um, I really like this, but um, basically Martin says, one of the hardest things for us to understand is that horses don't think like us. They have a very strong memory that we lack. But we have the power to reason, and they do not. Horses remember the past, they live in the present, and make no plans for the future past bringing comfort to a current situation. Now that is important. Um, humans, we, we as humans are always planning. And even if you're not a big planner, you still plan. You you're you're thinking about you're thinking about what's for dinner. You're thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. You're thinking about um you know, what what are they going to think of me when I when I go over there? What what is, you know, are my friends going to like what I'm wearing? Um we're always thinking way ahead. And that's our nature and that's okay. That's cool. That's important. Um like Martin said, humans we also have the ability to reason, to sort things out. Um, 
we understand we we can we can sort things out such as punishments okay this is this is a big one punishment is a big one so um you know somebody commits a crime sometimes it's months or even years before that dude gets sent to prison right it can be a long time it can be years before somebody gets sent to prison for a crime in our justice system right but when that person does go to prison they still they know why they are in prison they can reason they understand what they did now punishments with equine okay gosh guys it's just a it's just a late late comer it doesn't it's just not not an effective way it's not an effective way to train you can't uh, th- there's um there's some ideas and methodologies out there that basically let the mule or the horse fail so that you can punish and that's how they teach um that's a failing method you know i don't have to preach too much on that because it's been proven that it's just not effective um they don't understand even if it's just a few seconds later you know there's it's funny that people and even i have, have come up with different things like well you got two seconds to redirect or two seconds to do something about it um and and really that's not even the greatest you know that's not even the the best way to go about it but punishment for an animal for for equines specifically is too late um they they don't have the ability to reason so you get after them i mean i've seen it lots of times somebody okay somebody gets bucked off and they're pissed off and they're hurt they hit the dirt and they're mad and they lay there they moan around they roll around they busted a rib or something and they're moaning there on the ground and they're ticked off and then they they get up and they're gonna go teach that horse a lesson that horse is not able to connect the dots between them bucking you off and you teaching them a lesson they're not able to 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 discern that difference there they they don't get it they don't get it so anyways i wanted to set the stage with with that you need to understand that the mules the horses the donkeys they simply don't think like us it's our job to learn how they think and to step into their world and help them out because you know all the stuff that we do with them it's our idea it's our it's our idea to ride and to and to rope and and to to event and to do dressage and to go down the trail um and everything else that we do with these equine it's our idea um i also like what martin said about you know the the horse or the mule doesn't think past bringing comfort to their present situation or their current uh, state of being you know so that's that's where some of the stuff that we teach comes in you know you you set it up so that the mule or the horse would choose what choose to do what you'd like them to do so you're setting up you'd like to do a leg yield so so you come in there with your seat your leg and your rein and an idea and you set it up until that mule or that horse chooses to do the leg yield and then you leave them alone and you release all those signals so there's no more feel and no more pressure basically in there um and and you leave them alone and and they've found some they've found some peace 
in that current state. So uh, that's important, um, very important to know. Now, let's jump into some some of these things between the horses and the mules. Now, uh, one thing that I'll say right off the bat, this is something that we don't consider enough of, is it's really not fair, you guys. It's really not fair to lump in all horses and all mules and saying what's the difference because if you've been around horses very long i mean you know there are so many different breeds you know uh, a cowbred quarter horse is going to be very different very very different than a cold-blooded draft horse cold-blooded meaning you know um you know the a little bit quieter not as uh not as much get up to it but you know um that quarter horse and that draft horse are going to be quite a lot different, um, you know, to to compare, um, you know, maybe a, a saddlebred horse to a um, to an Arabian. It'll it'll be quite a bit different. So you you need to understand those differences. And mules should not be lumped into one general category either, because the different breeds of mules. I mean, I got I got a Tennessee Walker mule in my in my corral right now and I got a quarter horse mule in my corral right now and those two are very very different they're both mules yes by definition they're they're by you know they're by a jack and out of a mare um very but they're but they're very different see so you need to consider that when you guys go about judging or throwing out differences in these critters because the breeds the breeds are so different you can get all sorts of different um different personality traits different dispositions depending on how they're bred now something that i've been trying to look into more and study more is also the donkey bloodlines there are very much uh, a lot of differences in donkey bloodlines as well so um, the different breeds of the donkeys are going to get are going to um, give you different results as well, and that's something that people don't consider either. Like, oh, I thought I thought a donkey's a donkey. Well, no, no, there's there's quite a little differences in donkeys as well. So it's important to consider that as well. But let's let's first talk about the similarities in horses and mules, just in general. Okay, so first of all, they're equine. All right, they're they're all equines. So they're, um, you know, they're prey animals. They have a dominant flight response. Um, they have the flight response, the fight response, and the freeze response, which we are learning more and more about um, as we go here. But they have they have all those things. Okay, both the mule and the horse has them. Okay, um, basic uh, basic nutrition. Um, needs are very similar, although there are a, a couple little differences um, in nutrition needs, um, but but not much, um, barely even enough to take note of. Um, there are a lot of people out there, um, a lot of uh, so-called authorities out there, that really want to make you guys think that horses and mules are so different. One of my favorite quotes. One of my favorite quotes, I share this all the time, is by Tom Dorrance. And Tom Dorrance said, You have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. 
this is critical. Now, whether or not you want to admit it, um, I'll admit it because I'm, you know, I'm here to share my, I'm here to share my, uh, you know, my mistakes with you, you. I want to share them with you so that you can be better. Learn from my mistakes because life's too short to make your own mistakes. You need to learn from others. Um, but with horses, I have been guilty of this. With horses, you can get away with making the horse do something. Okay, You can force a horse. You can. Now, it's not pretty. You should not do it. I don't recommend it. But a fella can get away with forcing a horse and just because you got them to do the action you think you're successful. Now I've been there many times and I'm not afraid to admit it because I've learned from it. It's an important mistake that I've made that I that now makes me better because I acknowledge that mistake. But I've made a lot of horses do a lot of things. You know, go in that water. I'm gonna I'll kick your sides until I get in that water. You know, I've done that. You know, I've I've uh I've I've made them uh, jump over a log. I've made them uh, drag drag a calf. You know, uh, I've I've made them do things. So <laughs> with the mule, if you guys have had mules for any length of time, you now realize how unsuccessful that is. Now, can you still make mules do things? Yes, yes, you you can. Um, I've seen people make mules do lots of things. I've made mules do lots of things. Now, where the where the quote comes in, basically that you you can force a horse but you can't a mule, is that the retention rate when you, when you when you make a mule do something, when you force it to do something, the retention rate is so small. It is so small. There's there's basically zero retention. So you wonder why, well, I, I drug them into the water that time. How come they won't go in again? Well, you forced them. There, there was no learning there. We talked about the three responses that equines have. You know, there's flight, there's fight, and then there's the freeze. Okay? Now, the donkey side of things is quick to go into the freeze. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this freeze, well, let me explain. It's it's kind of this idea of learned helplessness. When they realize that they they can't change the way it, that things are, they can't do anything about it. Basically, they go into this happy place in their brain. And I think God put that in to animals and even humans, you have that. When something as as bad is about to happen, people and hum and and animals can go into this basically learned helplessness or this freeze response where you just tune out and try to survive, or maybe not. It's kind of like I I was watching a video on YouTube one time and it had this wolf carrying a deer fawn um, in its mouth. And it's kind of trotting along there, and then it 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 drops the deer fawn, and the wolf kind of looks off to the right, and the the deer fawn looked totally dead in the in the wolf's in the wolf's mouth, and you would have thought it was dead for sure. And so when the wolf drops this deer fawn 
on the ground and then looks off to the right. The deer fawn jumps up and takes off running. Well, why did that deer fawn, why did that little fawn look so dead, hanging and dangling from the wolf's mouth, but then the wolf sets it down and takes off running? What's up with that? Well, that's the freeze response. And like I said, I think that as developed in animals, you know, nature, that's the way nature is, right? That's just nature. They, there's there's a, a chain, a food chain, um, you know, there's this process of life, right? So, um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think that's in them so that, oh, all right, well, I'm about to be eaten. They can basically tune out. And I don't know what it does for them. Maybe less pain or maybe, I don't know what it could be. I know I've talked to some people that also do the same thing. Um, I get a lot of people in the clinics that have had some, some serious stuff happen in their lives. Unfortunately, I feel bad. It's, uh, it can be pretty bad. And this freeze response is something that they have done as well. They said, yeah, I, Ty, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've done that. I've had this experience and I had to do that to basically get through that experience, basically go to my happy place so that I can survive. So the mules, back to the donkeys and the mules, okay. The donkeys have a high freeze response. The horses, you guys have heard me in the clinics talk about this. Um, when, when something spooks a horse, okay, and, and out here in Utah we've got a lot of wild horses, and it's interesting watching them because when something spooks a horse, they just run. They just take off. They're going to flee the scene. Their motto, the horse's motto is, whoever leaves first lives longest. I don't got to be fast, just faster than you. And they will spook and they will run. And they will keep running until they forget why they were running. And then they stop and they go back to eating. Um, that's the horse out here. Okay. Now, um, I'm actually recording this. I'm out here in Utah in the middle of the desert. Um, and it's awesome out here. And there's so many wild donkeys out here. And it's interesting watching the donkeys because as you approach some of these wild donkeys, oh gosh, it's cool. You can get you can get within 30 feet of these things. You can get pretty close to them before they do anything, and they just watch you. They'll have their ears on you, their eyes on you, and they are staring intently. Okay? And you take one step toward them, and once you've kind of found this little bubble, you take one step toward them, they take one step back. And they just keep their little distance there. Now, not all of them. Some of them will spook and take off. But um, the donkeys are much more analytical. And that's what I want to talk about with the mules, too. Is donkeys really want to analyze the situation. They want to analyze the threat. As you approach these wild donkeys, are you dangerous? They're looking at you. Are you dangerous? Are you going to eat me? Could you eat me? Um, should I go? Should I stay? It's like that song. Should I stay or should I go now? And they they really think that out um, because if they if they go there could be trouble but if they stay there could be double <laughs> there and they kind of sit there and go through that it's interesting watching them but they are the donkey is very analytical now you get the mule the mule is a hybrid between the horse and the donkey and basically the mule whatever their parents are both of their parents whatever their parents are the mule will be more so. Okay, the mule will be more so. 
Um, so, for example, you got a horse that's you got a mare that's really flighty, really worried. I gosh, I guarantee you're gonna have a mule that's pretty worried and flighty. Okay, um, I've known many. I've known a, a few jacks. There's one particular jack, and I won't mention who it is, but there's one particular jack that, oh gosh, I have probably worked, oh my gosh, I have worked, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of mules out of this jack, and they are all flighty. They all have this spook quick reaction, and the, these are mules out of many, many mares, and these are mules that, um, that other people raise, you know, they just bred to this jack, so I've I've been able to to uh, sort this out many different ways, and um, so you know a lot of it depends on on their parents, right? It, it definitely depends on their parents. You know, an obvious difference between mules and horses is the way they look. So some of you that are listening that are pretty new to this, I mean, it's obvious. Just look at them; you can see their physical differences, right? The mule's not quite a donkey, and it's not quite a horse, right? It's it's half and half. So sometimes you'll get a, a, a mule with a really nice front end, a really nice built chest and shoulders and and uh, front end. And then it's got this little donkey butt. You know, they don't have this the, the bigger hips that some of the horses would have. Um, you know, the ears are obvious. They're, they're not as long as a donkey's ears and they're not as short as a horse's ears. Um, they're a little bit more narrow than typical donkeys. Okay. Um, the hoofs, this is another difference between mules and horses for sure, is the hoofs. Mules have this, have this slender hoof. Um, it's, it's a narrower U shape. The horse has a, uh, the horse's hoof is almost, almost circular. Um, whereas the mule's hoof is a little bit more U shaped, which is, which is not good uh, down here. I'm down here in in, in uh, eastern Utah, and the rivers here in eastern Utah are full of quicksand. And you know the horses will cross over the river no problem, and they won't they won't get stuck in the quicksand. And these mules go across, and they just puncture through that sand and just get stuck easily. So, you know <laughs> those narrower hoofs aren't always great for things like that. However, in the rocks, in this really rough, rocky country. Those narrow little hoofs are are very very much superior than the large hoofs. So, you know, there's there's pros and cons for sure. Um, you know, besides the physical differences, uh, most people don't really care about that. That's usually obvious. But I would say, when it comes to working with the animal between horses and, and mules, horses. Uh, they are are more of a people pleaser than mules are. Okay, horses really want to serve you guys. Horses really want to do good by you. That's why, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, shoot, we've been riding horses for thousands of years. Anybody can get along with a horse. Okay, I I think I I and I really, uh, well, almost believe that hundred percent of people can get along with horses. Now, not everybody. There's some that shouldn't be allowed to have a horse. There's some that shouldn't be allowed to have a horse, but they really need a horse in their life. Mules are different. Um, if you are the type of person that likes to 
be very controlling and just make things happen and you're not good at setting things up and letting things happen, you're probably not going to get along with either, but you're definitely not going to get along with the mule. Um, I love to watch uh, horses, mules, and people. I love to watch the thinking process. And I think that's why I get along with mules so well. I love mules because they are thinkers. And the mule will will call your bluff. They they're not gonna you know. Um, it's like one of my favorite quotes from Ray Hunt. He would always say, "The horses, you know, they know when you know, and they know when you don't." And I used to think that meant, uh, like, you know, being a good hand, being a good trainer, or whatever. But now. I believe more so that it's there. They know when you are aware. And that's something that all the good hands have shared um, is that you need to be aware. And the mule really knows when you are not aware. They, they know it. They know when you're present or not. And this is, this is crucial. So, uh, when it comes to working with them, you know, if uh, patience, if you're not patient and if you're not willing to be patient, you're, you should probably not have equines at all. But if you're going to have an equine, you're going to get along with a horse a little bit better because the horse will be the pleaser and will try to find the answer quicker. Even if it is not quite the answer you're looking for, they'll search for you. I often use the example in my clinics, people, you know, when they ask, well, what's the difference between a horse and a mule? Okay, well, this is, this is the difference between a horse and a donkey and the mule somewhere in between. So pretend the horse and the donkey is sitting in math class. Okay, they're sitting in, in, in math class back in elementary school. And the teacher says, okay, students, what is two plus two? And the horse shoots his hoof in the air. I got it, I got it. Pick me, pick me, pick me. The teacher says, okay, horse, what's two plus two? And he says, five. The teacher says, nope, good try, but not, it's not quite it. And he goes, okay. So he goes back to his pen and paper, pencil and paper, and you're sitting there trying to figure out what's two plus two. And shoots his arm up again, his, his hoof up again, right? I got it, I got it, I got it. What's two plus two, teacher asks. He says, three. Nope, not quite it. He goes back to his... And he just keeps going. The horse just keeps going until he finds the right answer that the teacher's looking for. The teacher finally says, okay, good job. The says, oh. Then the horse says, yep, I got it. I got it. I did it. The teacher asks the donkey, hey, donkey, what's two plus two? And it's just silence like that. <laughs> you guys might have thought the podcast ended, didn't you? But it's just silence. And the teacher says, hey, donkey, what is two plus two? And the donkey just sits there. Hello, teacher says, anybody home? Donkey, what is two plus two? And the donkey says four. Now, if the teacher was really impatient, she might have moved on before the donkey could get the the question answered. And this is what we do as teachers or or trainers, whatever you want to call yourself, we do this to our horses and our or our donkeys and our mules. 
is we pass them on before we've let them figure it out. They're very analytical. Because the donkey's flight response is so weak, they can't run as fast as horses. They can run pretty darn good, but um, but they're I mean simply not as they don't have the athletic ability that the horse does to run. Okay. So that being said, when they are faced with a predator, okay, maybe uh, let's just talk about a mountain lion. Okay, when they're faced with a mountain lion, the donkey knows I probably can't outrun this lion. And it's going to sit there and it's going to analyze around it all its surroundings. What's going to be the best means of escape? And the, the lion's creeping up, okay? Well, maybe by the time the donkey sorts this out, its best means of escape, the lion's too close. And now the donkey clicks over to the fight really quick. This happens when we're working with mules as well. Is, you know, we're just like the lion before we let you know we we move in too fast before the donkey or the mule has figured it out and then the mule or the donkey clicks over to the fight sometimes more so than a horse would all right that's pretty rare but it happens so now back to our our math class example of the donkey and the horse now the mule falls somewhere in between those two it's not as much of a people pleaser as your horses are and it's not quite as long analytical as the donkey is it's somewhere in between there you get some some mules that uh that have high flight responses you get some mules that have a bit more of a high fight response um and you get some that have a higher freeze response where they just quit. And that's where the old myth, and I call it a myth because it's not accurate, is stubborn as a mule. They're not stubborn. We just are impatient humans. And we want things now. We want our microwave oven dinner now. We're not willing to give it some time to cook a little bit. That's how we are with a mule sometimes. So that's one of the that's probably the biggest difference is is just the thought process of how they figure things out. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, you can scare a horse into doing something. For example, a flag behind him. Maybe you're trying to load in a trailer. You can you can get busy with that flag and make that dude scare that little horse into that trailer. You can scare him into it. The mule click just clicks over to the freeze, and this is where we call them stubborn. Gosh, we just sit here, and you could sit there and smack and smack and smack. You could be all sorts of cruel to that mule and sit there and smack and smack and smack and smack, and not get anywhere. And they don't load, and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh!" So you have to set things up. You have to be better if you're going to get along with the mule. Okay, you got to be better. Um, you know the the mule is quite a bit more physically sensitive than a horse as well okay so they're very self-preservative <laughs> you could kind of say they're a little wimpy you know they do not like pain at all um and but the response to their pain is different than the horse the horse you you apply pain and 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 they and they want to flee from it okay the mule freezes and braces into it 
Now, horses and mules, they can all do the same things, okay? Don't forget, they're the in the same family. Don't forget the mule is half horse, okay? So these are all just general things. But the mule, um, you know, instead of fleeing from the pain, they often freeze or brace into the pain. And that's another reason people call them stubborn, right? Because, my gosh, I'm sitting here smacking them with the lead rope and they won't move. Well, that's how you presented it. So, if you're a good hand with mules... Every everybody that I've known that is a really good hand with mules, they are excellent with horses. They're really good with horses. But not everybody I've seen that's good with horses is great with mules either. And it, it kind of depends on how you go about doing it. There's a lot of really good, famous uh, horse trainers that uh, don't get along with mules. And, and it's the philosophy. It's how they go about doing things. And if they took a little time to analyze their programs, they'll see that they probably force their horses more than set things up for success. But I like, you know, the mentors I've learned from, they all have a high respect for mules. And they can get a lot, they, I guarantee you, they can get plenty of done with a mule just as much as they could with a horse. You know, um, <laughs> it was, I'll share with you one of my favorite stories. Um, it was slightly embarrassing um, for a moment, and but then it was good. <laughs> I'll kind of tell you. So every year I continue my education. You guys, I'm constantly trying to learn. I go to clinics. I I read a ton. I watch videos, and I and I and I have a very open mind. I like to learn. Okay, so I was at a clinic. I was at a Buck Brandman clinic a couple years back. Uh, Buck's one of my mentors. Um, fantastic horseman fantastic horseman he's probably he is the best horseman i've ever witnessed with my eyes um however uh i'm at this clinic and um and i'm on the mule i'm i uh i was on a, a mule named jet and some of you that have been longtime followers you guys remember jet a, a big gray mule nice john mule good cow mule we could rope off him and and he was pretty handy. And I had progressed him all the way to the Hackamore. So that tells you how good he was if he's graduated up to the Hackamore. He was doing pretty well. I didn't. I sold him before I got him into a two-rein or a bridle or anything. But I had him in the Hackamore, okay? So I'm at this. I'm at one of Buck's clinics down in Arizona. And one of the participants, one of the ladies in the clinic, her horse um, was was kind of scared of my mule of course her horse was actually scared of everything in the stinking clinic every every bush the horse was just a, a worried horse and and the lady had more issues than than just me okay but however she wanted to really use me and kind of throw me throw me out there um so she goes up to buck and i'll never forget this she goes up to buck and she says that mule scaring my horse and 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 Buck said, basically, your horse is worried about everything, lady, and you need to get that thing centered. It's all about you. And and he basically went on my defense saying, you know, I see this all the time. You, uh, you guys always want to blame somebody else for your own problems of not keeping him centered. And some of you that uh, that know that know Buck well, uh, like me, you know, he he can he can kind of go on a little bit of a rant now and again. So, um, I was slightly embarrassed for just a second because you know basically he's telling everybody, you know what that mule's that mule's better than half your horses in here, and um, and you guys shouldn't be 
you guys should keep your animal centered. You should you should focus on yourselves. And and it was kind of putting a little bit of focus on me really uh, when he's talking about this because everybody knows. I mean, I'm the only mule in the clinic, right? <sighs> Anyways, um, but then toward the end, you know how, how he went about it, kind of made me feel quite a bit better because he says, you know, you guys, it's not about what your animals are scared of. Don't get so focused on you know the horse being scared of the mule don't get so focused on your horses being scared of a rock um whatever um keep your animals centered and um and you know at at his clinics when i go to his clinics and i do the same thing in my clinics but when i go to his clinics he doesn't say okay horses do this and hey ty since you're on a, you're on a mule you know training mules is so different so you need to do this not once has he said that to me ever and in my clinics, I don't do that either. I don't say, okay, horses, you know, uh, okay, short ears, do this. Uh, long ears, do this. And medium ears, do this. I don't I don't have a difference between the horses, the mules, and the donkeys and the work that we do. The process is the same. The fundamentals are the same. It's just how you, how you move from step to step that needs to be a little bit more thoughtful. And it makes you into a better rider. You know, you like Tom Dorrance said, you have to treat the mule the way you should treat the horse. So, anyways, I hope this has given you guys some some things to think about. I hope uh, maybe this has answered some of your questions um, about you know the differences between horses, mules, donkeys, etc. And uh, if you have any questions on this, you just let me know. Um, you can always shoot me an email, ty at tsmules.com. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would leave me a review. I would love to uh, see what you have to say about these podcasts. I would really appreciate it if you'd leave me five stars. It helps uh, get this podcast up there in the ratings uh, so that more people can find it and see it and learn from it. So um, appreciate you guys. Uh, hope you're having a hope you have a great day wherever you are. God bless you, and we will see you down the road. All right.